Malachi chapter 4 tonight. And Cody, just for a few more minutes, just stay with me, bro. Let me know when you're there. Just kind of give me the eyebrows. Thumbs up. <laughs> Are we there? Malachi. The only Italian prophet in the Bible. Malachi. The book of Malachi. That was for you, Glenn. That's <laughs> just for you. Malachi. The only Italian prophet in the scriptures. Malachi chapter 4. Are you there? I want to talk to you for the next few moments about fathers and fathering and so much more. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Father, thank you for the power of your word. Thank you that your word is so alive and so rich and flowing with fresh, rich oil and anointing tonight. Thank you for your awesome power and your presence in this place. Thank you for refreshing tonight. I thank you, Father, that in this house, this becomes a place of refreshing. This becomes a safe place, Lord, where you you prune off all of the things of the world that have so grieved us, so vexed our hearts, things that have wounded us, things, things that have so hurt that, Lord, you pour in the oil and the wine and you heal us. You release the healing balm into our heart and into our soulless realm. You release the healing balm into our spirit. Lord, you release peace in this room your very presence. You are the Prince of Peace. And your very presence just exudes peace and comfort. You are the God of all comfort. Tonight, Lord, I thank you that you're refreshing the people of God. You're refreshing the men of God. You're refreshing fathers in this house, Lord. You're building fathers for this hour. You're building fathers for our nation. Oh, you're building fathers for this nation. You're building fathers for our government. You're building fathers for Florida. Hallelujah. You're building fathers for your church. Hallelujah. You're making fathers for the education mountain. Hallelujah. You're raising up fathers. You're mantling fathers to take their place. Hallelujah. Lord, I bless your word tonight. And I just pray that as your messenger, you keep me right in the place that you need me to be, to be very effective and to communicate, Lord, this word. Move me and take me where you desire to take me tonight, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let the church say amen. I'm in Malachi chapter 4, beginning to read in verse 1. Thank you so much, Cody. For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven. <laughs> oh, 
burning like an oven. And all the proud, yes, all who do wickedly will be stubble. (laughs) And the day which is coming shall burn them up, says the Lord of hosts, that will leave them neither root nor branch. But to you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings. And you shall go out and grow fat like stalled-fed calves. Tonight, it's going to be okay to say, Lord, make me fat. (laughs) Can we do that tonight? Lord, make me fat. It's going to be okay. Just act like no one heard you say that tonight next to you. (laughs) But you who fear my name. The son of righteousness shall rise with healing in his wings, and you shall go out and grow fat like stall-fed calves. You shall trample the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet. On that day that I do this, says the Lord, remember the law of Moses, my servant, which I commanded him in Horeb for all of Israel. With the statutes and judgments, behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. Hear the father's heart right there that God is wanting to release a generational blessing. And this is how it looks. The generational blessing looks like this. I will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers. I want to talk to you about the spirit of Elijah tonight. And I want to talk to you about fathers and fathering. Can I do that? Lead the way, Holy Spirit. Amen. America right now is in... A cultural avalanche. And we are in a cultural avalanche because of the lack of fathers. I want you to hear this tonight. There has been a cry that has been coming out of the inner cities of the United States of America for decades. And it is out of a people, it is out of children. This has been brewing for decades. There has, been, there has been a rage. There has been an anger. There has been the sound of abandonment that has come out of the cities. Are you guys with me tonight? That has come up out of the cities of America. The abandonment from fathers has taken its toll. Lack of examples, lack of discipline from fathers, lack of love. Lack of provision from fathers has taken root so strong in this nation that now it is overflowing everywhere anger. Anger and pain. Pain, anger, entitlement is now brewing over the top because of lack of fathers. Fatherlessness. All over this nation, 
Everything that we have, are seeing being desolated in this country is because of lack of fathers. Fathers that have not stepped into the place to be leaders and lead the example, lead the way, and to protect this nation and to protect the children of this nation. Are you with me? A man who leaves his children is equivalent to having a paternal abortion. The anointing of Elijah, I want to talk about this for a moment. It carries something. I hope you're going to take some notes tonight because I feel this strong. There's going to be weightiness in this house. The spirit of Elijah, there, there's a distinction about this. And we saw it in the text. It turns the hearts of the fathers to the children, the hearts of the children to the fathers. The anointing of Elijah carries something special. It carries in a, a unique component to it. It carries a distinction. It carries something about the very heart of Jesus. And what we see is the heart of Jesus is actually what turns the hearts of fathers to children and the hearts of children back to fathers. I believe that this is what we must, we corporately must be pressing into right now. We must be asking God to mantle us. You know how we were praying moments ago about preparing the way of the Lord? That's the forerunner mantle. That's the John the Baptist mantle, preparing the way of the Lord. I'm shifting gears into now talking to you about the spirit of Elijah. This is a mantle that we have to pray for because the desolation that has been happening to this nation, the children of this country have to go to a place to be healed from all the demonic activity that has been an onslaught against them. There has to be a place where children and young people can come in and sit in the glory and sit under the word and sit in the anointing and to be freed from all the snares and the lies and the propaganda and the indoctrination that has come upon this nation. There must be a house of glory. It is not enough for us to press in to be a good, nice little family church. We have to press in for a place of the realm of the glory of God for children and teenagers to come in and to be set free. We've got to cry out for this now, church, that the spirit of Elijah would rest on us, that we would be part of this anointing that would turn the hearts of fathers to children and the hearts of children to fathers. If we're going to heal culture, if we're going to be part of healing society, and we are, if we're going to be part of healing society, if we're going to be part of protecting the kids of America from all the bloodthirsty wolves that would just utterly destroy them, no conscience whatsoever, then God must have a church in this hour to meet this hour with an anointing that destroys the yoke of bondage. It's the Father's role to protect I'm going to say it again. It's the Father's role to protect. And if we, the church, 
are going to be generational healers. Generational healers. Grab hold of that tonight. I'm talking to you about your identity. I'm talking to you about your destiny. I'm telling us who we are. We are generational healers. Then we must have this anointing. This special anointing of Elijah. And it is coming and is upon us. <sighs> Sons and daughters who are fathered they will grow up into mature and faithful, responsible fathers and mothers. It's not rocket science, is it? God needs us right now to hear the cry that's coming up out of this nation and out of the, the earth. We have to be the ones who God used to raise us up to love them, to hear them, to fight for them. To help deliver them from evil. To train them. To disciple them. To disciple them. Are you with me, church? If we will stay faithful, if we will endure hardship in this hour like a good soldier, God can mantle us for something supernatural. Something supernatural. Something far beyond what we've dreamed about the vision of this house. That God would entrust to us spiritual sons and daughters and natural sons and daughters to be raised in this house to be mighty, mighty warriors in these last days. I want you to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. I want you to look at something. The Apostle Paul writes these words in verse 15. He says, for though you might have 10,000 instructors or teachers in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. One more time. For though you might have 10,000 instructors or teachers in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten, begotten you through the gospel. You see, teachers can produce classes, but teachers cannot produce a family. You need to write it down. Teachers can produce classes, but teachers cannot produce a family. Many churches have become like schools these days. They lack the warmth of the family room. And they lack the warmth of the family room. It, 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 and the reason is it's because only fathers can create it. True spiritual fathers, you see, there, there's a vast, vast difference between real fathers and father figures. And I thank God for both of them. But there's a vast difference between real fathers and then having father figures. Real fathers will not seek to gain anything from their sons and daughters. Did you hear what I said? They always have the welfare of their children in mind. They always have the good of their children in mind, their spiritual children. Listen what Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. It's going to be behind me on the screen, but I want you to look at it tonight. Put it in your notes. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 14 and 15. He says, I will not be a burden to you. I do not seek what is yours, but you. Children are not responsible to save up for their parents, but parents for their children. I will most gladly spend and be exp expended for your souls. Notice that. 
He understands his responsibility. He goes on in that and he says, even though I love you more, I'm, I'm loved all the less. There was something wrong with the picture. He was pouring out, pouring out on all the more. What should have been reciprocal was not coming back to him. And it's sad that Paul has to put it all out there on display. And just say, the more I'm faithful to you, it's amazing, the less that you love me. The more that I look after you, the less you care for my need. That's, that's sad affairs. But look what, I, I want to look at what he's, he's elevating tonight. I'll not be a burden on you. I do not seek what is yours, but I seek you. Children are not to be responsible and save up for their parents, but parents for their children. And I will most gladly spend and be expended for your souls. That's a spiritual father. That's a real spiritual father. I want to give you a quote tonight. If you're taking notes, this is powerful. It says, suffering and success go together. Hear this. Suffering and success go together. If you are successful but have not suffered, it is because someone went before you has suffered. If you don't believe that, look at the nation that we are blessed and seated in right now in amazing grace of God. The founding fathers that fought, listen, that fought, the founding fathers that fought and won our great independence from England and established the very pillars and the foundation of this land, they suffered, they suffered everything. They put everything on the line. They were willing to suffer whatever it cost. Their families, their name, their treasures, their sacred honor. They were able to put everything on the line. Here's the quote again. Suffering and success go together. And if you are successful but have not suffered, it is because someone went before you has suffered. And here's the rest of the quote. If you are suffering and not successful, it is that those after you can succeed. That's awesome. And that's exactly what God has called us to as fathers and as mothers. Are you hearing me tonight? Listen to Paul again. I'll not be a burden on you. I do not seek what is yours but you. What's he saying? I'm seeking your heart. I'm here with a pure motive. A pure motive to build your life. That's what Paul's saying. Children aren't responsible to save up for their parents, but parents for their children. I will most gladly spend and be expended for your souls. Those are the words of a true father. It costs Paul everything to father. He says in Philippians chapter 3, I believe it's verse 8. He says, I count everything as rubbish. I count everything as lost, as lost for the gain of knowing Christ Jesus. Powerful. Dietrich Bonhoeffer's words, listen to these words. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he said, the ultimate test of a moral society is the kind of world that it leaves for its children. One more time. The ultimate test of a moral society is the kind of world that it leaves for its children. Wow. Fathers need to rise now and set the standard. Fathers need to rise now and set the moral standard, the moral standard, the ethical standard, the pathway for our children now. 
Fathers have to rise and be the road signs that literally point the way into what it means to be truly free. Are you hearing me? There's no shortage of teachers everywhere, but there's very few fathers. There's very few fathers. In fact, Jesus said that his very mission, him being commissioned from heaven, was to reveal the Father. He said, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. For I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. And he came to reveal his very name. And his name is Papa. His, his name is Abba. Abba, Daddy God. <laughs> That's powerful. While the religious scribes were, they were busy playing religious games, Jesus was revealing the power and the substance of a covenant relationship between a father and a son with a father. Isn't that awesome? He was revealing what it looked like to be in covenant, right, pure relationship. There's that anointing again where the hearts of the fathers will be turned to the children and the hearts of the children will be turned to the father. He came to reveal the father. He came to give access and turn all of our hearts to the father. Oh, how he made the way. Glory to God. I want you to grab Psalm 71 tonight. I want to look at something. God thinks generationally. Write it down tonight. God thinks generationally. God plans generationally. He is the God of Abraham. Say it with me. Isaac and Jacob. Say it with me. He's the God of Abraham. He's the God of Isaac. He's the God of Jacob. Say it again. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. There's a momentum to it. There's a succession to it. There's a, there's a rhythm of how God works and structures through family. He releases generational blessing through fathers, through families. He releases generational blessing through generational, uh, through, obviously he releases generational blessing through generational lines. I mean, what, is, what are the odds? <laughs> Thank you, Lord. God thinks generationally. He plans generationally. He sets things in order generationally. Psalm 71, verses 17 and 18. I want to look at this. this. These are the words of David. These are powerful, powerful words. He says, Oh God, you have taught me from my youth, and to this day I declare your wondrous works. Now when I am old and I'm gray-headed, oh God, do not forsake me until I declare your strength to this generation and your power to everyone who is to come. One more time. Oh God, you have taught me from my youth, and to this day I declare your wondrous works. Now when I am old and gray-headed, oh God, do not forsake me until I declare your strength to this generation and your power to everyone who is yet to come you got to grab hold of this and let the Lord brand this in your spirit. Somehow, in the intimacy and the relationship that David had with the Lord, he began to see that God wanted to open him up to this revelation of living generationally. He wanted David to think generationally. He wanted David to prepare generationally. There came a time in David's life that he was told that you're not even going to be able to build this house for me. It's not going to come through you, but it's going to come through your son. And because it's coming through your son, it's going to be coming through you. Because God works generationally. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He works in succession. He works in rhythm. He works in that order. And he said, because, David, you're a man of so much bloodshed, and because you're a man of war, I'm going to allow this 
this temple, this house for me to be built through your son Solomon. But something was happening in David's relationship with God that God was imparting to him an understanding, a counsel, a wisdom to understand this, that we have to live and think in the continuum of living generationally. In Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 10, it says that God has set eternity within the hearts of men, yet no man can see the beginning from its ending. God has set into the hearts of man eternity, yet no man can see its beginning to the ending. Meaning you have to discern and understand your times. You have to understand your time continuum. You have to understand your momentum that God is wanting to pass a blessing. God is wanting to pass a blessing through your life. He's wanting to release a heritage, a posterity, an anointing, a favor through your life generationally. And this is who God is. This is why we must take our times and our seasons very serious. This is why we must set ourselves in order in the power of the Holy Spirit to declare that God sets our times and seasons. And the enemy is not allowed to ambush it or steal it away from us. Come on, church. Can I get an amen in this house? That God sets our times. God sets our seasons. That God is orchestrating his plan, but he wants us to awaken to this, to live generationally, to think generationally, to plan, to plan generationally. But listen to the cry that comes up out of David. Oh, God, you have been with me since the days of my youth, since he looks back in his times past as a boy, as the young shepherd tending the sheep, and he knows that God has been with him. God was with me at my dad's house when, when nobody recognized even what was within me. Even, even when my dad didn't know that there was a kingdom on the inside of me. When my brothers couldn't even recognize that there was a kingdom on the inside of me. Yet, uh, when I really look back and be honest with myself, I didn't even know that this kingdom was so abiding within me till someone came to my house with oil. And called my identity out. A father. A father. A father came into the house. More than a prophet. More than a seer. More than a prophet. More than a seer. A father stepped into the house. And was looking for this treasure that had been hidden. Where is this? I'm not seeing it. I don't understand this. Is there, is there anything left in the house? Where, where is this hidden treasure? For it's the glory of God to conceal a matter, but it's the glory of kings to seek it out. And there was Samuel looking for the treasure hidden in a young boy. And it took a father to come in and begin to speak and release identity, purpose, anointing, heritage. The prophetic word of the Lord. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We won't go through David's life tonight. It'll take us till the sun comes up tomorrow. <laughs> Listen to these words from, from the prophet Daniel. Daniel chapter 4 and verse 3. Put it in your notes tonight. How great are his signs and how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. And his dominion is from generation to generation. Look at it again. How great are your signs? How mighty are your wonders? His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. His dominion 
is from generation to generation. It's how God sees it. Psalm 145, is, this is all through Psalm 145. I'm going to read you just a few verses. I'm reading four through seven. One generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. And I will meditate on your glorious splendor and of your majesty and of your wondrous works. Men shall speak of your might and your awesome acts. And I will declare your greatness. They shall utter the memory of your great goodness and shall sing of your righteousness. If you jump over to verse 11, it says they shall speak of your glory and of your kingdom. And they'll talk of your power to make known to the sons of men his mighty acts and the glorious majesty of his kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. And your dominion endures throughout all generations. David was able to look back and say, God has been with me. But there was, there, there was a cry in him that it wasn't enough that God was the God of his youth. God had to be the present tense God of now that he is old and he's gray-headed and he's considering and he's weighing out the gravity of his life. He's saying, God, whatever you do, do not let me cross over the threshold into your glory and into eternity until I'm able to put this gift, this great possession and gift of the kingdom into this generation until I'm able to impart your strength and your anointing and your power, the glory of your name, the glory and the weight of your kingdom, so that they know that you are a covenant-keeping God. I want this generation to know your strength, oh God. I want them to know you're the God that keeps your word. You're the God that keeps your promises. You're the God who's faithful. You're the God who never leaves. You're the God who fights my battles. You're the God who makes a way where there's no way. You're the God who you can face down giants and insurmountable odds. <laughs> and David was the story keeper. He was the story keeper. He kept the fire burning. He kept the exploits of what God had did in his life burning and alive within him to transfer it to an emerging generation. Are you hearing me tonight? I want to I look at a life. We could spend the rest of the night on this, and maybe I will, and maybe the rest of this message won't even happen. I'm just, I want to look at somebody. And his name is Hezekiah. Now, I want you to think about David's words. He's, he says, oh, God, you've been with me from the days of my youth. I look back and I see your glory. I see your hand on my life. But now I'm praying, God, do not forsake me until I declare your strength to this generation, your power to all those who are yet to come. What was he saying? I'm seeing generationally. And I want to push, God, your strength and your power and the momentum of the fame of your name now into the future. I want to talk to you about Hezekiah, and I want you to put this in your notes tonight. Look at Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 38 and 39 this week. Put it in your notes, Isaiah 38 and 39. You can look at it later. Israel's king, Hezekiah, he was strong. He was a righteous king. He was an amazing king. He walked with God. He was righteous. He was pure before God. He was a reformer. He was extraordinary. But sadly, near the end of Hezekiah's life, it, it went 
it just went wrong. In the story that we pick up with Hezekiah in, in Isaiah chapter 38 and 39, Isaiah is ill, and I'm sorry, Hezekiah is ill, and Isaiah has come to him, and he's telling him things are about to wind down. Things are about to change, and here's the inevitable. You're going to die. The Bible tells us that Hezekiah got out of his bed, went to the wall, and began to weep to the Lord and ask the Lord for mercy and ask the Lord for grace. And he actually asked the Lord to remember the days of his youth and his faithfulness unto God. And before Isaiah could get out of the king's temple, the king's room there, or the hallway, he hears Hezekiah weeping before God, weeping. He comes back and he gives this word. He says, God has heard your cry. God has heard your prayer. And God says that he has extended your life 15 more years. How many of you remember this story? God says, I've extended your life 15 more years. But then there was a problem. What happened was is that Isaiah began to inquire of Hezekiah what he had done about his enemies coming into the land. And what happened is, is Hezekiah opened up all of his treasuries to Babylon. Those that had come in from Babylon, he showed them everything behind closed doors, the gold, the silver, the spices, everything that was put away. And Isaiah begins to inquire. He says, who did you show this to and what did you show them? He says, oh, I showed them all things. And you can see it right there in the text in Isaiah 38 and 39. And then suddenly the story begins to twist. And this is where you, and if you're watching the movie, uh, the, the music goes really dark. And Isaiah said, you've made a horrible, horrendous mistake. He says, they're going to come in. Babylon's going to come in. They're going to plunder you. They're going to steal and take all of your riches. In fact, they're going to bring you into captivity and slavery. They're actually going to take your sons and turn them into eunuchs to serve in the king's courts in Babylon. And amazingly, amazingly, what happens in Isaiah chapter 39 verse 8 Hezekiah answers it with this, the word of the Lord which you have spoken is good. At least there will be peace and truth in my days. I don't know if you caught that. Because something goes terribly wrong there. What I'm trying to drive home to you is this point. He had no future vision for his sons and daughters that were yet to come. He had vision for his own life. He had vision for his own day, there, th 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 that there would be truth and peace in his day. But when it came to his own sons and daughters, he didn't jump out of bed and began to weep and tear his clothes and begin to cry out in prayer and intercede for his sons and daughters that were yet to come. He stopped short and said, the word of the Lord is good. At least there will be peace and truth in, in my day. I'm going to tell you something that's sad. That's sad. Can I tell you right now, we are dealing with that very same spirit in the United States of America. Leaders that have no vision for future generations, only thinking of themselves. Are you hearing this tonight? Hear it with your spirit. He wept for himself, but he didn't weep for his own children. That's strong. Strong. Fathers, fathers, 
It's no secret today that fathers are abandoning their wives. Fathers are abandoning their children. Fathers are abandoning, abandoning their responsibilities. And it's a tragedy. And we are seeing the very same thing happening in the church when it comes to spiritual fathers. Barna studies, and this is pre-COVID, showed that over 1,500 pastors per month resigned the ministry. No one gasped. That's alarming. They're abandoning their post. Fathers are abandoning their post. And our nation is paying for it right now. Fathers are the ones who enhance our relationship with God. Fathers, spiritual fathers, they enhance our relationship with God. Fathers understand that their dependency of the kids is not upon them. They understand they are to point their children to the master. They are to point their children to Jesus. But their covering and their wisdom of fathers, spiritual fathers, their accountability, their ability to live transparent lives before us, it is invaluable. Spiritual fathers and mothers, they help to protect and safeguard the path and the vision for lives. I, I am deeply grateful for the fathers and the, the spiritual fathers and mothers. And I'm thankful for my own father and my father-in-law. I know that they're watching tonight, Bren's dad and my dad. I'm thankful for my dad, for my father-in-law. But I'm also thankful for spiritual fathers that God brought along in the path of life. Ones that came alongside of me and Bren who were willing to give their life, pour into us, instruct us. They, they were not just there to complement our gifts and be encouraging. They were there to help prune and they were there to help speak words into our lives that were instructions. They were able to rebuke us. They were able to sift and able to prune. You need voices. You need father voices in your life that don't just come along to pat you on your back and tell you how great you are. You need fathers in your life that tell you, hey, it's time to grow. It's really getting quiet in the church. We need fathers in our life to say it's time to grow. Fathers in our lives to say, uh, I'm getting the scent of pride. Let's deal with that. Let's sift that out. It's time to grow up. It's time to mature. Fathers have the responsibility to be the voice. And not only be the voice, but be the example of the leadership. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I was writing some of the spiritual fathers today in my life. I got the privilege to speak to a few of them. But I got to thank them about their impact in my life and into Bryn's life. I'm so thankful. And I'll tell you, another thing I'm thankful about is while many, in, many fathers, many spiritual fathers right now, are, so many of them are waffling and wavering looking for moral clarity and the moral high ground right now in this hour. I thank God for the spiritual fathers and spiritual mothers that God put in our lives that have held the ground. They've held the standard. They've stayed on the Jeremiah 6.16, the, tri the tried and the true road, the ancient path. I'm glad that they're not wavering. They know exactly where they're going. Now, our team did not know this, but somehow they got stuck 
singing about being after God's heart. And in Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 15, Jeremiah says, I will give you shepherds according to my own heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. One more time. And I will give you shepherds according to my own heart who will feed you with knowledge and with understanding. And I submit to you tonight that fathers are to be shepherds. Shepherds. Fathers must be shepherds. Fathers must be shepherds that lead the people with God's wisdom. Lead them with counsel. Lead them with understanding. Lead them with knowledge. The scripture means so much to me in my young life, and I'm, I'm not going to go the distance of that story, but when God called me into the ministry as a young man at 13 years of age, he branded this into my spirit, that he would make me a shepherd after his own heart to feed God's people. God needs shepherds. He needs fathers in this hour. Ladies and gentlemen, God needs fathers right now for the United States of America. We are in desperate, 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 desperate times. We are in such a famine of leadership. We are in such a famine. Our declaration at this church has been the famine of leadership is going to break. And the leaders and the fathers are going to arise. Those that have been mantled with the spirit of Elijah. And it's going to be so notable. They're going to be anointed to turn the hearts of fathers to children. They're going to be anointed to turn hearts of children back to the father. I love these words. In 1 Samuel chapter 13 and verse 14. It's in this word, what's happening when he says, I'm going to raise up shepherds after my own heart. God is literally quoting himself when he talks about David where he says, Saul's kingdom is over. And God says, I've sought for myself. I've looked for a man. I've sought for him myself. And I found David and he's a man after my own heart. I could have sang that all night. (laughs) I could have sang it all night. There must be a company of people that cries out, and we are that people, ladies and gentlemen, that we cry out for the very heart of God, the heart of the Father. That God would mantle us with the spirit of Elijah, that we would would have some kind of distinction, some kind of component and an anointing to this house, that when people are getting in the mix of this atmosphere, God begins to turn the hearts of the children to fathers. God begins to turn the hearts of fathers to children. We've got to see it, and it's a spiritual thing. It's spiritually discerned. God opens our spiritual eyes. He opens the eyes of our heart and our understanding, and we start realizing and understanding the depth of the responsibility that God is calling us to in this hour. And I pray with every bit of courage within us, we say yes. Yes, God. Yes, God. Use us. Yes, God. Let us be that people. When Jeremiah heard these words that, I'm going to raise up fathers after my own heart. When he heard this word, this is what was happening. In the very text, he told Jeremiah to call a nation up out of its backsliding. 
He was telling Jeremiah, I want you to call my nation back to me. I want you to call my nation out of their backsliding. I want you to call my nation out of their perversions. I need you to cause them to come back to my heart. You've got to hear this. Fathers are the ones that must warn. Fathers are the ones that must warn. We don't get along to go along or go along to get along. We have to warn the nation in the fear of Almighty God under the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Come out of your perversions. Come out of your wickedness. Come out of your backsliding. He's saying, cry aloud. Jeremiah, cry aloud. Those who have forgotten the Lord, return to your marriage covenant with me. That's what God said. And I believe. This is the cry that's going to come out of fathers and spiritual fathers. Return to the Lord. Return to the Lord. Return to covenant. And God will heal and God will cleanse and God will forgive and God will show grace. Amen. Amen. Ephesians chapter 3. I want to look at this for just a moment. When it comes to feeding with knowledge and understanding, I think this is an important point. Paul says to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge and that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. <laughs> he whiz, Paul. What a high order. To know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of of God. What is he talking about there? And I want to give you language for this tonight. What surpasses knowledge is experiential revelation. What surpasses knowledge is experiential revelation. I've used this so many times, but before my wife and I, before we had kids, fathers would come to me. It was always fathers. And they said, Brian, when you have, when your son is born, Josiah is our firstborn. They said, when your son is born, he's going to change your entire life. He's going to change your entire life. And it was so exciting to hear that from fathers. But I knew that, but I didn't know that. <laughs> Does that make sense? I had knowledge of it, but I didn't have experiential revelation of it. And it's a totally different thing. But your knowledge and your experiential revelation can become one and the same. So that God, when God raises up fathers, they are able to actually reach into their life of experiential revelation and feed God's people with knowledge and with understanding. Why? Because they're not guessing. They've walked it and it's now tried and true. It's become, it's become one flesh in them. The word has now become flesh in them. It has become part of them. It is alive. It is real. They're not guessing. It's not a theory. It's now a revelation that has take hold, taken hold of them. I, I no longer had to guess if he would change my entire life. Yes, he did. And then his sister came, and then she really changed my entire life. <laughs> and changed her big brother's life, too. I want to make this important point tonight. God grooms spiritual fathers. And I'll tell you, he grooms spiritual mothers as well. But he grooms them through the journey that comes through the fire. It is a journey through the fire. It is a journey that goes, takes you through the trial. It is a journey that takes you through rejections. 
It is a journey that takes you through betrayals. It is a journey that takes you through mountaintops of revelation, unveiling glory, divine encounters, but also through the hardships that we learn experientially the mind and the heart of God. And then I want to look at these words tonight from the Apostle Paul. Because if we cling to our faith, I want you to listen to this. I want you to go to, yeah, I want to go there. I want to go there. I want you to go to 1 Timothy 1 tonight. 1 Timothy 1. I'm going to look at a scripture here in a second. We always look to the Apostle Paul in fathering, fathering, mentoring, raising up spiritual sons, passing on blessing, passing on legacy, passing on heritage, telling them how to find, even in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, telling them how to find other leaders that are actually faithful that they can pour into themselves so that they can multiply. They had to look for other leaders. They had to look for other fathers who could steward the mysteries of the kingdom. But Paul also gave warnings to fathers. He gave many, many warnings. I encourage you, read the Pauline epistles, the books of Paul, okay? Read those books. Underscore the warnings of this last day. Be watchful of them. And this is is speaking specifically, I mean, it's for everybody, but specifically, I'm just speaking to fathers tonight to hear and heed this word. Paul talks about in this word about keeping faith, or maybe in your translation, New Living Translation, it says cling to your faith. You might want to write that down tonight. Cling to your faith. Cling to your faith. He says keep faith or cling to your faith and cling to the word of God. Listen to what it says. Timothy, my son, here's my instructions for you based on the prophetic words spoken spoken over you earlier. May they help you fight well in the Lord's battles. Cling to your faith in Christ. Watch this next thing. And keep your conscience clear. That means keep your integrity. Say it with me tonight. Keep your integrity. Say it again. Keep your integrity. So let's put it in check. May you fight well in the Lord's battles with the prophetic words over your life. Take these prophetic words and use them as a weapon. When you are fighting your way through spiritual warfare, take what has been said and spoken over your identity. That's what David had to do all the time. He had to take those words and work those words and say back to God who God said that he is. And you have to use those prophetic words. You have to use the more sure. You're holding the greatest prophetic word ever. It's the more sure word of prophecy. You have to take the word of God, which is the sword of the spirit, and you have to use it against the enemy. When the enemy is trying to deceive you about your own spiritual identity, your own spiritual inheritance and every blessing in the heavenly places that has been given unto you. And you got to use it. And you got to speak it and you got to war with your prophecies. But then he watched this. He says, you'll be able to fight well in the Lord's battle. But watch this. Cling to your faith in Christ. Brothers, sisters, hear me tonight. Fathers, hear me tonight. You need to cling to your faith in this hour. This is for everybody. Then he says, keep your conscience clean. 
Guard your integrity. For some people have deliberately violated their conscience. And as a result, their faith has been shipwrecked. Wow. Wow. Fathers, if you will cling to your faith. Fathers, if you will watch over your life. If you'll watch over your integrity. If you will watch over your conscience. Then you'll be a man who's worthy to be followed. You'll be a father that can say like the Apostle Paul, follow me as I follow Christ. Follow me as I follow Christ. I want to go back to the front of this train. In the front of this train is the spirit of Elijah. The Lord desires to mantle us with. We've never, ever seen this level of assault on the children of the United States of America. We've never seen anything so vile. It's hard to talk about. It's hard to get the words out of your mouth to even discuss what is happening in this nation right now. But the Spirit of God is crying out for fathers, shepherds after his own heart that says, oh, I will fight off the wolves. I will rise up and fight this battle. Guys, God has called us into an epic warfare in this hour. And it is a warfare that we're not to run from. We're to run right into it with the Spirit of the Lord God upon us, fully clothed in the armor of God. This is the hour of the church. This is the hour of fathers. This is the hour for men of God, women of God, to arise and conquer this evil. But here's a secret. Paul at the end, he says, as a spiritual father, Understand this, use the prophecies over your life. Wage a good warfare with them. Cling to your faith. Watch over your integrity. Watch over your conscience. Men of God, fathers, God wants to mantle us so that we can turn the hearts of fathers back to the children and turn the hearts of children back to the Father. And ultimately, ultimately, We want to be a people that returns the heart of a generation back to a good, good, heavenly father. A good, good, perfect, heavenly father. Come on, church. Let's give him praise tonight in the house. I'd like us all to stand. Cody, would you come? Hallelujah. I know someone's going to tell me in a minute, Brian, you forgot to receive the offering. So I'm just letting you know I just remembered. (laughs) I want you to put your hands out in front of you. How many of you remember the the coat of many colors that Jacob gave to Joseph? I just submit to you that in the coat and in the mantle that the Lord is mantling us in, there's many, many beautiful colors. 
And there's many different anointings. I believe that we are a company that has a John the Baptist forerunner anointing to prepare the way of the Lord. I believe the Lord is building that in this house, and it is a particular color. I don't know what color that is, but it's a particular co color or fabric in this house. But there's also a color for the spirit of Elijah. There's something very special that the Holy Spirit is courting us into as a people that we are going to see. We're going to see the hearts of children turned. We're going to see the hearts of fathers and mothers turned to the children. And God's going to give us an anointing in this hour, a supernatural anointing to minister to them and to, to bring deliverance and freedom, to break the chains, to liberate them out of captivity, to liberate them out of captivity, to break the, the, the bars and the bonds and the shackles of prison gates. God's going to use us in this way, church. I, I say it humbly. I say it humbly. It requires a supernatural anointing to do this. And so, Lord, tonight we ask and we ask in faith. We ask in faith that you would mantle us in this hour with the spirit of Elijah to call this generation to your heart to call a nation back from its backsliding its perversion its lawlessness back into covenant with you God back into a place of, of brokenness and repentance, a place of honoring you and a place of humility, God, that only you can bring. I pray that you mantle us, Lord. We ask it in faith tonight, Lord. Jesus, Jesus, raise up, raise up fathers in this place Jesus raise up fathers that will reveal your glory raise up fathers godly examples fathers that carry your heart fathers that speak the truth fathers that will not compromise fathers that, that in body the fear of the Lord fathers that burn with conviction fathers that are radiant with purity and integrity fathers that communicate your touch and fathers that release your power I bless you men tonight. I bless you fathers and I bless you men. I bless the fathers that God is preparing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Would you just lift your hands tonight into this glory that's in this place? 
It's just been hovering in this place all throughout worship, all throughout me trying to communicate tonight. Just lift your hands into this glory tonight and receive from the Lord. Receive. transition and do something different can we just come into agreement right now for our nation can we take a few minutes right now to do that would you just pray in the spirit with me the nation is groaning the nation is groaning God America is groaning because the wicked are ruling the wicked the wicked are in leadership God and we're groaning we're groaning we're crying out God for your mercy we're crying out for your intervention we're crying out God for leaders we're crying out God for fathers we're crying out for shepherds after your own heart God we're crying out for fathers who know you, who walk with you, who love you. Fathers who fear you and know your name. Fathers that carry fire for the next generation. Fathers that will not let go of the future. Lord, deliver us from evil. Deliver us from evil. Raise up fathers and shepherds after your own heart to bring salvation to our beloved America. Lord, protect this land. Protect this land. I pray, God, for awakening upon this land, an awakening even into our military, a natural and spiritual awakening into our military. God, that you would send your heavenly host, your heavenly host, your angel armies, God, to awaken our military to the north, south, east, and west, to the north, south, east, and west, to the north, south, east, west. Awaken them, God, so that no weapon formed against this nation will be able to prosper. No weapon. No weapon. Lord, teach us how to fight and use our weapons of warfare. Teach us how to use our weapons of warfare that are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down every vain imagination, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Teach us to use our spiritual authority. Teach us to use your word. Teach us to use your name. Teach us to use your blood. 
and to conquer and to win, Father. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. And amen. Thank you, church. Thank you. Go ahead. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You may be seated tonight. Ushers, I'd like you to come. We want to serve the people tonight. You can, of course, give on our app tonight. You can give on our website, victoryfla.com. If you would like an offering envelope, you can lift your hand high so we can serve you. Ushers, go quickly. If you will, just go quickly. If you can serve the people. Thank you, ushers, for serving the people tonight. I want to give a few announcements while we're waiting. On, on July the 2nd, leading up to July 4th, we're going to be having a special time of prayer Saturday night. Remember this, Saturday night, July 2nd. We're going to have a special night of intercessory prayer in this place for America. On July the 9th, Shane Tenney will be in the pulpit once again. Praise God for Shane. Amen. Shane will be bringing the word. Brent and I will be getting a little R&R &R and some time away for a few days. We're looking forward to it. <laughs> I want you to mark your calendars. July 17th through the 23rd is our next upcoming fast. July 17th through the 23rd is our upcoming fast unto the Lord. And then going into August, of course, if you've not registered for Glory and Fire with Dutch and Pastor Kilpatrick, you want to do that. It's going to be a powerful, significant gathering. And I believe for our entire region. Hallelujah. Are you ready to give tonight? Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for the privilege and the honor it is to invest in your kingdom it is a joy it is a delight father tonight i thank you bren and i thank you for every every partner every giver of this house we honor you father in the tithe we honor you in our offerings tonight and we bring them before you and we pray god for the advancement of your kingdom and for miracles to be released through our giving miracles to be released through our giving. Hallelujah. Brent and I speak abundance over you tonight. We speak prosperity and favor from God over your life. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you that you have already written a story of miracles over victory, a church of your presence. You have written a miracle story and we're walking into it and it's happening it's happening now. Father, we bless the sea. We pray multiplication and the multiplications of wonders and miracles over lives tonight. In the name of Jesus, amen. Go ahead and give. Amen. Ushers, go right ahead. Thank you so much. You see how Cody does that. He's sneaky. You see how he does that. He just jumps right in and goes right back into the glory realm. He's... he's He's sneaking up on me. 
lead us in that, Cody. It's so awesome. tonight just to minister to the Lord rather than have the prayer team come I just feel like we're supposed to open up and just minister and linger minister to the heart of the Lord amen we love you guys we bless you we bless this week come minister to the Lord come linger just be with him be with him good night everybody and happy Father's Day men of God happy Father's Day